for encouraging us. And Lord, we look not to those things which are seen. We look not to the peripheral, but Lord, we look at focused on your word and the life it has for each one of us. We release our faith this morning to be changed. We release our faith this morning to, to find our place and be powerful in our place. There's nobody that can do what you called each one of us to do. So we each one will do our part, and it'll all turn out amazing. Thank you, Lord, for utterance today, all of us, to have utterance to say and to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So, uh, yay. Let's turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, we looked at two Sundays, and then we steered off and did this series on Wednesday, and now we're back onto it. I, nobody's more surprised about all this than I am. I, I think I've got it figured out, and it's like, no, that's not it. You ever tried to get a square peg into a round hole? Sometimes that's what getting... It's not that you don't have something to preach. It's like it's, it's got to be the thing. It says in chapter 13 of 2 Corinthians, we're looking again at that verse 5 where it says, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. So let's point to ourselves and say, hey, you... Examine yourself to see if you're in faith. Amen. The Amplified says, examine and test and evaluate. So it's scriptural, isn't it? It's scriptural, isn't it? To look inside. It's easy to look at what everybody else is doing or not doing. We've all been guilty of that. But if we were so much more introspective than we are out there... Uh, uh, that old saying that says that uh, I, I judge myself, I judge you for what you do and judge myself for my good intentions. So, you know, we, we got to let the Lord do the examining. It says, examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you are holding to your faith. So right there we see that you could have faith and not hold to it. And, and showing the proper fruits of it Test and prove yourselves. Amen. So we're going to do that. We do that every service. We, every message is a feel-good message, but sometimes you got to go through a little stuff to, uh, to get to the feel-good part. Amen. In Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, we looked at this verse on Wednesday. In verse 14, let's look in verse 15. That's Galatians. It'll never... Sound right. It says in verse 15, where he's talking there, don't be children anymore, but in verse 15 he says, but speaking the truth in love. And that's also what Melissa was talking about. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, in all things, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. The New Living Translation, verse 14 and 15 says, then we will no longer be immature like children. Don't you know when you have children, grandchildren, you want them to be little, but on the other hand, you sure want them to grow up. Uh, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. How many of y'all know that's what's going on in our culture right now? Is they're saying things that are completely adversarial and contrary, and they want us to believe one or the other. Is that right? Sure it is. And so it says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way. Let's, let's read that first person. Instead, I will speak the truth in love, growing in every way. One more time. Instead, I will speak the truth in love, Growing in every way. So there we are. How do you grow up? You let the word be spoken to you and me in love, and we speak the truth in love. Hallelujah. I thought it'd be hard. I thought it'd be some complicated thing that you got to uh, go into a confessional booth of some kind and, and say, Father, I have sinned. And he says, well, what'd you do? And you just go through the list and... Uh, that's not bad. Confessing our faults one to another is, is scriptural. 
But that's, it's even so easy, much easier than that to grow up just to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. So we got to know we're in love. we gotta, we got to wait on our words. Because how many of y'all have ever heard words that were truth that was not spoken in love? Ah, oh, you, you remember those a long time. Then who did it? 2 Thessalonians 2.10 says, Them that perish because they re- receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. See, you and I got born again because we received the love of the truth. At the new birth, you, inside of you, faith, love, peace, all those things that were downloaded in us. Another thing that was downloaded, according to this scripture, is I got the love of the truth put in me. Dr. Cole always said, you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, but you can salt his oats. Well, that's what we want to do. Every service, every time you turn into your word, every time you go to prayer, Lord, salt my oats. Because hunger is the prerequisite. prerequisite. It is the door to power. You, you will not have any more next year than you did this year, except where you got hungry. You can think back to when you got baptized in the Holy Ghost. It wasn't because it was exponentially uh, reasonable or there was great benefits. You just were hungry to have more of God. Whatever he's got, I want. If he's got more, I want more. We we didn't even have to know what it meant or what the cost of that would be. We just were hungry. And God wants you and I to hunger, and so he put into us what Thessalonians calls the love of the truth. The love of the truth. And he talks there about disputing things that are not the truth and, and discerning that and dealing with people that tell us something that is trickery or a lie so clever they sound like the truth. So we're always having to discern the truth. The word says in uh, Hebrews 4 uh, that uh, the word of God is quick and sharp and able to discern between the soul and the spirit. So we have to be filled with the word to even know if there's a lie out there or tricking us. So I put down here that the new birth deposits the love of the truth inside of us to make us grow up. Because there's lots of information here. You ever heard a sermon and someone says, what, what, did, what was that message about? And you go, I don't know, but it was good. See, that's not a love of the truth. You're just kind of going through a dutiful sitting in front of somebody in church saying, God, once you to know I showed up and then fall over and go to sleep or whatever. It's the love of the truth. Love of the truth. I, I will grow no further than my love of the truth. My hunger is, is my filter, my break, my boundary, my border, my parameter, my encumbrance. It is that it limits me. If I can't get hungry, it doesn't matter what is going on. That's why we say that revelation can't be taught. Revelation is caught. It's something that you see and you seize, and you may have heard it a hundred times, but you got hungry, you got open, you got willing, you got uh, the call on your life said, we, we got to have some equipment to do this, and so we get that. The truth is the unborn victory of God's blueprint for your life. It's like war's truth. It's in here and it's coming out. How will it come out? You'll see victory in my life. You'll see my life coming to pass like the word says. Why? Because of truth. Truth sets the captives free. Remember in John, it says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. We are all moving towards one thing in our life. Uh, some of it's security, some of it's peace, some of it's uh, uh, well-being, relationships, but all of it comes back down to being free. You and I want more than anything in our lives, we want to be free. If we're free, we'll do fine. We'll express ourselves. We'll cleave unto that which is good. We'll shun that which is not, but we want to be free to do that. We don't want somebody standing over us and saying, you're going to do what I say. In Mark chapter 4, let's turn there, Mark chapter 4. Got a few scriptures here that we want to run through to set this up. Mark chapter 4. We've been looking at this scripture. In verse 21 of chapter 4, it's, he's, he's told a parable here about the sower sows the word. And he's comparing the word to a seed. 
In verse 21, he said, uh, he said in them, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick. So here we see the purposes, which is obvious to us. You don't put a candle under a, a bushel or a basket of some kind. We all know the purpose of a candle is to bring light. You don't cook your food with it. You don't heat the house. You don't. You, it's for light. A candle is for light. So he says, get your candle out of the bushel. Everybody in here has a candle that's burning. But we've got to get it out where there's light that we can see both others and ourselves. And in verse 22, it says, For nothing, for there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. That's more than seen, isn't it? Is manifested more than seen? It's, it's more. It's, it's a reality. It's there. You don't just read about it or look at a picture of it. Manifested means it's here. And neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. Now, here's the good news, among others. The answer to your situation is, is right here. You go, well, I don't see it. Well, we got to take the bushel off of our candle because the answer is here. The answer for Joey, the answer for Lisa, the answer for Deborah, whatever you're facing, whatever in all of it, there is a path out, a path through and a path out. There is. No, I don't see it. Well, they never saw the Red Sea opening up and there'd be a road through that, but it was there all along. And God has made a way through what you're facing and not just barely get along like who we barely made it. He wants us to shine. He wants us to go through with the testimony so that anybody else that says, I'm going through that and say, well, let me tell you what God showed me. That's what we're supposed to have as a testimony. A testimony simply means this. God wants to do it again. He did it for me. A testimony says he'll do it for you. These uh, things by uh, Mr. Ward are very inspiring. If you read, if you listen to the stories of Curry Blake, very inspiring. I had a pastor tell me one time that there was a woman that was comatose that was all but dead. She had uh, cancer, and uh, he sat down at the, uh, he sat down beside her. She was on a, a, a bed. And said he went into the spirit. And now, this is not what we teach and everything, but said an angel appeared at her head and sucked the cancer out of her. And this friend of mine called it a, a sickness sucking angel. <laughs> I don't know where he got that. <laughs> anyway, she got up. And I'm going, where's that in the Word? Where is that? It happened. And it's not contrary to anything. It's not like, well, that violates this and that. So my point is, is that there's heaven's way more developed than what we know. And we need to quit being so smart that we already know how it's going to work and how it couldn't work. Like those, those veins, it's like... That's impossible. We will have to believe God to go through the surgery and believe. It's like, no, there's another way. So there's a way for you, but you got to stay on the track. There's no way if you get off the track, you have to start over. So don't get off the track. The faithful man will abound with blessings. And so verse, uh, verse 23, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear or let him understand. So what, what are we doing? We're putting on, we're getting attentive. I'm attentive. It's not like if God wants to get me something, he'll just bring it. No, he is bringing it. Y'all say amen. He is bringing it. It is, it is here. But until we are attentive or hungry to know, we'll wander off into a morass of ambiguity and, and uh, confusion and chaos. And we'll say, well, I don't see anything. We have to stop. We talked about Wednesday about how you, you settle down and draw aside and get yourself where you can tune your tuner and hear what God's speaking to you about your situation. And the main thing, the uh, a chief thing of success is where we make a turn before the turn is seen. We're at the right place at the right time with the right words, not because that's the way the road went, but we made a turn 
before it teed and everybody was off in the pasture. It's so powerful if you can do it. But you go, well, why doesn't everybody do it? Because it takes faith to make the turn where the road doesn't go. We, listen, we know the future. Praying in tongues makes it bubble up, and all of a sudden we have knowledge in our head, in our mind, our soul, because it bubbles up. Everything that's ever going to happen to you, everything about you, that's been put in by God, your future, your potential, your gifts, your callings, they're all already down here. They're down here. They're not over here. It's not like, well, the mind of God, it's in heaven, and it's 73 trillion miles away. Nope, it's right here. Like, it's in there. How far away from is that from here? We have the mind of Christ, and so we ought to know some stuff. We should not be, the word says in Thessalonians, you should not be in darkness. You should not be ignorant, brethren. We don't know as much as God wants us to know. Well, you go, why, why don't we? Because we're not hungry. Our lives are full of the alternate plan of wisdom and knowledge and, and rationale. How we should go. There's already, a, our culture has provided a path that says this is the way we all go. Amen. So you want to be spiritual? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to quote the books of the Bible. Well, just, just stop your life. It's just as spiritual. Stop your life and say, Lord, I'm not going another step until you show me if it's to the left or the right or up or down. And, and amazingly, he will do it. He will do it. That afternoon or the next morning or the day after, it, in the shower or riding down the road, you, suddenly you will know with a confidence, an assurance, I know what I'm supposed to do or not do or have or, or buy or pay off or whatever your deal is, who you're supposed to marry. You ought to know that. You won't have their face or you whatever, whatever or who they are necessarily, but you'll know what's not. And so Brother Hagin always said you can know as much about what God wants to do or say by what he doesn't say, but by what he doesn't do. So there we are. Now the New Living says, Jesus asked them, would anybody light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. For every, here it is, for everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open. I'm waiting on the amen. Everything. Well, there's a lot in me. There's a lot in you. There's a lot. Can you imagine that this, how much does a brain weigh? Three pounds, eight pounds? Not much. That you can recall things that you did as a child? That you can recall things that your father or mother said, or that a friend that hurt you and said something ugly, you, you know what the situation was. You can recall, we can all go back an amazing. Sometimes we forget details and say, I don't remember that, but other things we're sharp on. Is that right? And if someone rolls their eyes at us, nah, we didn't miss that. That wasn't just a. We saw it, and we know exactly what it means, and we can interpret it, and we have a course set for us, either to forgive them or to walk away or whatever. We are amazing, and guess what? God knows more than us. Everything we know is eclipsed totally by what He knows. But we can tap into the server, as it were, the Father server. We can tap in with our remote down here. I just thought of this, so hallelujah. And we, and we can tap into the main server. You know, they say that Google knows more than God. Well, they, Google knows a lot, I guess, but uh, not more than me. You're like, well, well, tell me something, you know, well, I have to tap in. I have to do a search. I have to, I have to say, Lord, what about me? Where am I supposed to live? Where am I supposed to work? What, who am I supposed to marry or, or wherever you are, whatever you're doing? Am I supposed to marry or am I supposed to live in Tuscaloosa? He'll, he'll tell you. It won't be a booming voice, but he'll tell you. And all of a sudden you'll know. And you can check that one off and say, check. Now next. We are not ignorant. We are not in the dark. 
we have the light. It says the lamp is placed on the stand where its light will shine for everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open and every secret secret will be brought to light. Now, here's how God operates. He puts everything in a mystery, a secret. Even speaking in the Holy Ghost, tongues. That's all. The devil can't hear it. He can't interpret it. He is lost when it comes to you and I praying in the Spirit. Now, we say, Lord, I, I'm, I need $100. I want to give on this or give on that. Well, the devil hears that. And so if he can cut off your $100, it's not the money. It's that he wants to discourage us and to say that didn't work. So that the next time that we believe God, we'll look back and remember, that didn't work. The devil doesn't want to kill you for you. He's trying to make a testimony that God can't keep his own. He's trying to say, you never know what God's going to do. He's trying to say that sometimes cancer comes, and sometimes we make it through, but God has other plans, and none and none and none. And we get squirrely doctrine. Real squirrely doctrine. And it causes us not to believe God. It causes our faith to fail. And so there's every secret, secret will be brought to light. Now just think about that for a moment. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? Every secret can be accessed. I'm limitless. If I know what God knows, and that's only what about me, He's not going to tell you about Everybody else, well, let me tell you a little secret about them. Uh, this is what they were doing in 95, and uh, you know, you won't know anything like that. Praise God. But everything about your life, you can know. Why wouldn't you? Well, you, do, you would not believe that you could know, or that you wouldn't access what you believe you should know. In other words, you've got to engage it. You've got to put it in there. Okay, he goes on and says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added... Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. Uh-oh, here it is. And you will receive even more. So it's exponential, isn't it? It's not one for one. Put in one, get one. It's exponential. Listen with an intent to hear and understand, and he will open up a greater dimension, a greater sphere that says, let me tempt you or let me uh, uh, entice you to believe me or understand me even more. And so people can grow very fast because there's an exponential there. It's not just like, well, this is what I learned last year, and that's how, that's how much I can learn this year. No, once we engage the system of the mysteries of God, every secret brought to the light, it becomes exponential. And suddenly you have a confidence and you have a boldness and you have a willingness to step out of the boat. Because you know some things. Nobody likes to go where they don't know. Nobody likes to step out when they don't know how it's going to end. You and I can know how it ends. We should know how it ends. Because the world is clueless. Just listen to them. They don't want to know what's happening tomorrow. But I know exactly where I'm going to be. I know exactly what I'm going to be doing. I know exactly about River Church. I know some things. That's why I've stayed on the saddle. It's because I know. Didn't look at this or didn't look at that or didn't say, well, how much money do we have? All that I know, I know all of that, but that's not the end of it. I know. Do you know? Well, obviously you do or you wouldn't still be here either. Well, let me go on. It says, the closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given but for those who are not listening, oh, here it is. Even what little understanding they have, this is amazing, will be taken away from them. So you can't even hold on unless you keep it. You, you have to keep going or you lose it all. So I have to love truth because I'll quit if I don't love truth. Truth is hidden. Truth's in a mystery. Not hidden from me, but hidden for me. Truth is what the secrets of God, he wants you to access them. Uh, what does it say in Psalm 91? You know what it says, but I want to get it right here. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. That's the unconventional place. That's the inobvious place. That's not the, the common or the gathering or where everybody goes. It's the secret place. 
Father, I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I'm going into the secret place to find out what you've already planned for me, the blueprint, the, 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 the course, as it were. What? I'm getting up here on Highway 33 and Highway 69. Which way do I go, so to speak? And he'll surprise you sometimes. Yay. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. Well, yay. So what little... But for those who are not listening, do y'all know these people? Even what little understanding they seem to have will be taken away from them. I know them. That's the rock people. Dumb as a rock or dumb as a stump or, or whatever. So he's telling us here that when light or truth hits the heart of a believer, that st things start shining. It illumines the path. Well, we didn't even know there was a path. Certainly the Red Sea was an unexpected revelation. God said, just lift your staff, son. Just lift the staff. Well, the modern day or the New Testament equation to that is get hungry. Obey me. Be at the right place at the right time. So would you all say, based on what the Lord Jesus said here, that... What you and I need is in plain sight. But we have to look to see it. So let's go back to what we did Wednesday. What if nothing new will open up until you walk away from the old? Well, that's that thing about making the turn before you see the, the, the crossways. You just make the turn. You don't even know there'd be a crossways up there. But you just follow Him. Now, any success I've had in my life is when I got unconventional. And any trouble I've ever had is when I did what everybody said you ought to do. I, I just tell you, it didn't go well. And I was able to save myself and get out of it and see it and repent and all that. But if I ever had trouble, it's because I just did what everybody else was doing. Uh, I, I have 20-something years of ministry or longer where I did what all the Word of Faith did. I just, I did what they did. I believed what they believed, and I dressed like they dressed, and I drove what, I just, I just was, uh, uh, I was in. And, and one day I said, you know, I don't think this is it. And I am still Word of Faith, just like you and I are, but there's, there's another chapter. It wasn't the last chapter. And there's more. And we, we, we go over that all the time. So uh, what if the new won't open till you walk away from the old? Well, that would require faith. That would require you to know something and do something before there was a decision that had to be made. Before, before the, rent, the rent's due on Sunday and your tithe, you want to pay your tithe on Sunday. What are you going to do? Well, you already know in advance what you're going to do. You're going you're gonna to decree a thing, and your rent's going to be paid because you're bringing your tithe. Now, that's me. Do what you will. But that's how I am. But I grew into that. It was an exponential thing. So I wrote down this. The world says, when I see it, I will upgrade to it. When I see it, I will upgrade to it. Yeah, I'll take that job now that I see it, and I'll buy that house now that I see it. But the, in the spirit... We, we find, we find what is hidden. In other words, we're not, we're not in trouble saying, I, we got to have some relief here. We got to get something better. No, we just find the thing that's already there. Martin Bazee always said, when you, when you can't, when nothing's working, step back and see where God's already knocked the hole in the wall. Because it's there. Say it's there. Ah, let's do it better. It's there. It's there. And this may hurt your feelings this morning because you go, well, I was a dummy for all those months and years. I, it was there, and I didn't know it was there, and I went off the edge. Boy, that's me. I've been off the edge a bunch. Not, not anything that, that's uh, just for me, for my walk, just like it would be for your walk. Things that you would hold yourself to to say, I can't do that anymore. Most people would say, What? I do that and can't wait to do it more. But for you, it's sin. You know, that's, that's how that is. So 
what will revelation look like? What will the light shining look like? Well, it won't be reason or logic necessarily. It doesn't mean that it's always just completely, well, if this is logical, we'll go this way because this is crazy. That must be God. It doesn't mean that at all. But the light is supposed to shine like, like, these, like these or bicyclists or whatever that have a little light on the front of their bike. Well, it's not for them so much to see, but they're, so they'll be seen. As you know, as a headlight, if you ever look at a picture of a city or a highway from up top, the headlights don't shine out very far. How far, far do they shine? Just enough to drive into them. It's not like, well, I'd go three miles out. No, they don't. They just go 60 feet or whatever it is because that's all you need to see. Well, the light that you and I are walking in, the mystery that's revealed, is not forever. The faith part is to say, I see a little bit, and I'm going to walk to that. Oh, now I see more and walk to that. That's what happens when you prophesy. You don't ever know the whole thing. You just have the first whatever, the first words, the first sentence, and you, you start getting out there and saying, here's, here's what God's saying. It's kind of short, but all of a sudden, He shows you more, and you just keep going and keep going. And Do you all get this? It's faith. It's, it, it's not because you feel good or confident like the world. We looked in Exodus, and we won't go there again this morning, but in Exodus chapter 18, Moses was judging all the people. He was the Supreme Court. He was the appellate court. He was the justice of the peace. He was his neighbor uh, of everybody, and everybody was getting worn out because they had to wait in line all day to hear, put their case, and he was wore out. And Jethro came by, and he said, the good thing that you do is not good. Good thing you do is not good. So we know there's good things that are not the best things. It was good. And that is the hardest thing for Christians, anybody, but even Christian, is to give up what's good and go look for the best. But you have to have an eye for excellence. You have to have a desire for excellence. This, this is okay. It bailed me out. I got one nostril above the waves, but this isn't swimming. This isn't getting somewhere. And so the world learns by tribulation. They get whooped down, they get beat up, they're just in such pain, they fire the fight and say, okay, I'll learn something. I'll pay attention to what you have to say to me. But we're not that way. We don't wait till we get to the end of it to say, I'm teachable. We get up, we're blessed, we're happy, everything's going my way, even if it's in a good realm. And we say, that's not enough. I'm going up. We're not waiting for pain and suffering and, and inconvenience. We're saying, I'm a child of God. Bless God, this isn't it. It's, it's better than where I was, and I'm on my way, but I'm not going to park here. I'm going to keep going up. And the Bible says, the Lord Jesus said, when you have ears to hear, then, then you'll get more exponentially. And if you don't have ears to hear, you quit listening. He said exponentially, even that which he thinks he has will be taken away. So you see Christians that just meteor. Praise God. Where were we? So we're called to do things that are unconventional. And so I came up with, the Lord gave me this and said, I want you to start doing what only you can do. Now, I was down here Friday. I was down here all week. And I, I can paint. I can hammer. I can lay carpet. I can do everything anybody else can do except electrical. And we, we just don't want, I just don't want that thrill. But I can do anything. And so I was down here, and, and usually I would come down here by myself and just say, I got this, and I'll spend all day. But I, got, I hired somebody, but he didn't know what we wanted. So I did what only I could do. Even though I was tempted to go in there and swing that brush and nail that nail, I just told him, I want this nail here, and I want this brush on this. I did what only I could do because there wasn't anybody else that could do it. And I, but I, ha I was tempted. I was like, I want to help. I want to help a lot because that's what I'm used to and that's what I'm fulfilled by. But that's not who I am anymore. So we said this, only do what only you can do and you will do all that you're called to do. It's not limitless. Like I can do everything I'm supposed to do and do all the stuff I'm not supposed to do and I'll still get it done. No, there's just enough time and anointing and grace to do what we're called to do 
And there's, if we use it on stuff that we're not supposed to do, we talked about it extensively Wednesday, then we won't finish. And it's hard for people to go to heaven that aren't finished. Paul said, I'm ready to go. I've run my race. I finished my course. I'm ready to go. That's the only time you get satisfied. Psalm, 90, uh, Psalm 91, with long life I will satisfy him. Who is him? The man that ran his race and finished his course. So you think there's a lot of Christians who went to heaven and God had to send a replacement because they didn't run their race. They didn't finish their course. They barely got saved. So I'm through with it. Now do what you will, of course, but I, I'm through with it. I, I am very discerning about who I hang around with. I don't judge anybody. I want to be with everybody. But if, if the ground's not good, if they, if they have nothing to give or... They don't let me give to them. I move on. Because I just have so much time, so much grace, so much everything. And I got to find who's in my path to give to. And I got to find who's in my path to receive from. Because I'm transactional all the time. I, it's like, are you desperate? Yes, I am. There's just so much time left. And I got to get my part done. I got to get my part done. So it doesn't matter what's in the way. It doesn't matter who does what. It doesn't matter who doesn't give. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because my race is my responsibility. And if I do the mess around, and there's lots of fun things, I'm not even saying fun things are not in your deal because we have to have pleasure. We have to have what the word calls rest. All that's factored in, but I've done stuff that it's like this didn't do anything. And a lot of times it was a money pit. Y'all want me to explain money pit to you? <laughs> so I, here's what I do is I make every asset that I own and every assignment that I could engage, I make it prove its worth to running my race and finishing my course. I make it prove. I said, are, are you important to me? So I clean out my house. I clean out my I clean out stuff every once in a while and say, "You were good. I needed you. God gave you to me. You were just right and so valuable. I could not have done it without you." But it was just something that passed through my life and it's not it's not going with me anymore. But it, but it did pass through. God dropped it off. But I chunk that little darling. I just I'm gone. And I'm way more efficient now than I was. I'm getting more done. I'm getting I'm more satisfied. I'm more content with what I uh, need to do. I make everything in my life prove that it's part of the recipe for where I've been assigned to go. Is it ruthless? Oh, you know, the world, religion will just say, give up all pleasure, give up all this, go into a monastery, be a monk, be secluded, be all this, and they say, that's how you please God with it. That's crazy. People are, the, people are in every recipe. I don't have anything going on that's got an end without people. Wealth or well-being or anything, everything that I've got or is coming to me, including wealth, I am prospering because I've got to minister to people. Not as a pastor, just as Michael. Just like, hey, in the grocery store, let me lay hands on you. Hey, let me take you to lunch. You and I ought to be taking people to lunch after church. You go, can we afford it? That's what the money's for. And if we invest it where it's for, a harvest will spring up. That's the 30, 60, and 100 fold. Yay. Matthew chapter 19. I, I've been three weeks trying to get to this scripture, and, and I, just keep, I just keep rehearsing, and we don't ever get there. But we're talking about doing what only you can do so that you will do all you're called to do happier, happier. Do what only you do only what only you can do so that you will do all that you're called, called the race you're in, the course you're running, you're called to do. It says in Matthew 19, you know this story. Let's go to verse 16. It says, And behold, one came and said in him, Good master. What good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? He's asking a question. It's straight up, isn't it? It demands an answer, and the Lord's going to answer him. He said, well, why callest me good and then do the Ten Commandments? 
And uh, verse 19, he said, uh, excuse me, verse 20, he said, The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth. What lack yet I? And Jesus said unto him, Well, if you're really hungry for God, and if you really want to do the will of God, it's not all those things that you think you're doing, keeping the Ten Commandments. Good boy. boy. But he said, If thou will be perfect, go and sell what thou, thou hast. Now, why would he say that? We call this man the rich young ruler. He had lots of stuff. Lots of stuff doesn't bother everybody, but this man had a stronghold in his life about his stuff. How do you know that? It says, uh, uh, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But, you know that word but is going to tell you what didn't happen. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So what can we say about that? that? We could say that this man didn't want more than he thought he already had. He wasn't willing to give up. He wasn't willing to invest. He wasn't willing to make the turn. It wasn't logical. It wasn't reasonable to make the turn. Give up what I have? I'm happy with what I have. Except I was asking you how I can be happier because I'm not happier with what I have. Yeah. And so it's like Jesus called him out. It wasn't money. It wasn't money. Don't be thinking that if I go to the Lord and say, what can I do? He's going to say, give me all your money. Give me, give me all your No, that's not. He doesn't care about your money except when we care about it. That's how he deals with money is how we deal with money. And if you say, Lord, everything I got is yours. I'll give it. I'll do it. Everything. Then he will pile it on you. Let me tell you again. He will pile it on you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things that the Gentiles seek shall be added unto you. He will pile it on. Because he wants a testimony that I'm good to my kids. I'm really good to them. Matter of fact, the world who's unscrupulous and dishonest and conniving, they can't even touch my kids. But we hadn't had a generation, we hadn't had a people that would say, I'm going to prove that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to cut my life back to do what only I can do so that I can do, can have, can be everything he called me to do. We hadn't had that demonstration because everybody's just saying, I'll do what he called me to do, plus, and in addition to, and with this, and I'll have a cluttered, chaotic life that's all over the world, and, and I go to bed at night, and I am whooped. These people say, I'm whooped because I have so many things in my head from things I'm trying to manage and administrate and keep up with and do that I hadn't thought about what Jesus wanted me to do today. I've just thought about all the things I had to administrate and keep up with. Now, I'm older than I've ever been, but I'm, it's not too late. I had a man prophesy to me not too long ago, and he said, it's not too late said there was a clock over my right shoulder. He saw me in the spirit, saw a clock over my right shoulder. And, and the Lord said, it's not too late for Michael. Well, I'm still going to say giddy up. It's not too late, but that doesn't mean, well, we're doing good. We'll just keep on at this little pace. No, giddy up. Are y'all getting anything out of this? So this rich young ruler, he thought control was the satisfier. So I'm not in control anymore. I'm, I'm absolutely in control, but I'm not being controlled by the lust of my flesh, the pride of life, and those sort of things. Uh, here, we'll say this statement. We've got to quit. Concerning the rich young ruler, concerning you and me, concerning all the things. There's a lot of stories about this in the Word. But here's the bottom line. This man did not know what to say no to, because he didn't know what to say yes to. There will be a lot of things that will show up in your life, and you'll have to say, is that a yes or a no? But none of that stuff will ever come into your, uh, your opportunity realm, your, your uh, potential, unless you know what to say yes to. So when a football team or a basketball team goes out there, they always have a strategy. They call it the game plan. And Coach Saban has a game plan for every opponent and not necessarily what they did for them last year. You know, we played LSU different last year than we did this year or whatever. And so it's a game plan that's for every game. And they go in at halftime and they adjust the game plan. So it's, it's, uh, it's not one-sided, but we always look at the end. 
and say, what I'm doing here is not just to please God. Well, God, I'm giving this and I'm doing that and I'm feeding the poor and I'm doing that. So that has nothing except where are we going with it? Because you could feed, you could be in a soup kitchen for 40 years and miss the whole calling on your life and you were doing things that nobody else would do and God is totally unimpressed. He might have had you go through soup kitchen. I want you to be a year in there. I've got things to teach you. I've got an end to this. But it's not this. When you leave, somebody else will come in and I'll work on them through the soup kitchen or the whatever, whatever. Um, I like this scripture. And I'm going to quit telling you all I've got to quit. You know the story in Matthew 25 about the the master that went away and he had three servants and he, he five, two, and one. And uh, uh, in verse 28, after that's over, he said, Take therefore the talent from him, y'all know the rest of it, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. This is what's happening in the church, and we don't even know it. We get... We get $100 in our pocket, and 90 goes out because we don't know what the end of it is. We don't know what the plan is. We don't know where this is going. So we just walk around every day and let circumstances and people and things dictate what we're going to do or think about or have. Somebody will come in and say, oh, we got a problem. And so suddenly you're thinking on that problem all the rest of your day. You're, you're dealing with, well, we got a bill we can't pay. Or uh, we have a symptom in our bodies. What is that? And it completely dominates us and we become soulish. Are you all listening? We become soulish and we let the things that are right here dictate who we are instead of the end which is out there. Well, yeah, we got a symptom. Therefore... In order to get there, I have to deal with this symptom today. We can't say, I can't deal with this symptom. Just take some pills and because we got PTA this afternoon and we got to get there. That's not this. I don't know if I'm being very clear with this, but the general thing is, is you're going somewhere whether you know you are or not. And whether you're even going, you're, where you're going is north and you're, we're off wandering in the southwest or somewhere. We don't even know where it is that we're going. And that's not supposed to be. Nothing is hidden that will not be brought to the light. It's like, well, how will I know? Whoa, stop. We got to put the brakes on. I got to stop and find out what am I supposed to be doing tomorrow or short term. And then if he ever shows me, and he will, what that thing is out there, when will he show you? When you get hungry to know. You know, if you don't ask a question, the answer doesn't fit. If, God, if, if the answer is the barn is yellow, but you don't know what the question is, it doesn't fit. So we have to be asking. We have to be imploring, seeking God. God, what about my little life? What about it? You made me. I'm perfectly made inside. I got everything I need to fulfill my course. What does that look like? What should I do this week? And he'll tell you. And then as you get to know the next week and the next week, he'll start saying, let me show you a little more where we're going. I can trust you. Because he used to couldn't trust me with much. Because if I ever saw anything out there, I dropped everything in like a hammer I was going. When in fact he was saying, I need you to pray about this, and I need you to wait on the money, and I need you to have some people ready to go with you. Nope, I was already there. So he couldn't trust me to know much. Have you ever been there? Where like if you did know something, it's like, oh, that's for today. Hallelujah. Well, let me see if there's anything else that, that, that has to be said today. Revelation to gain wealth is not revelation to administrate it. Every dollar is important. But generosity will always rule in your life. So this rich young ruler, he had, he had the revelation to gain wealth, but obviously he couldn't administrate it because he wouldn't part with it. He was in that wealth. In other words, you can't, I can't give this to the poor because I'm in this wealth. I'm in it, and I can't, I can't, I can't divide it. I, it's like, okay, I got my money, give it, give it to the poor because I'm still over here. I'm still over here. The grace of God is on me. I'm still over here. But no, that money couldn't go because 
He was in it. Praise God. Isn't Jesus wonderful? It's deeper than we thought, more complicated than we thought. But on the other hand, if we just let it settle in, it's easier than it's ever been. I can rest because there's nothing depending on me except to ask Him what depends on me. And He'll tell me, this depends on you. I need you to be here, do this, take this course, drop this course. Believe me for a thousand dollars. Why, Lord? Just believe me for a thousand dollars. I'll show you where it goes once you have it. You go, why would he do that? Because we get involved in the in the end of it or whatever, and we we it messes up our faith. Lord, I thank you this morning that you're helping us. You're helping us. I don't know how, Lord, this morning that you helped us, but I believe something in something, everything came out, so somebody got something out of all of it. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for helping us. You said you lay help on him who is mighty. Lord, in you we are mighty. Jesus in us, oh, greater is he. And we are mighty. So we ask you for help. Help financially. Help in our bodies. Help in our relationships, our families. Help, Lord, in our job, our employee, our, our business. Help, Lord, to know what to do with our time. Help, Lord, just help to know who to spend our time with and who to walk away from for a season at least. Hallelujah. We thank you for wisdom that works, but revelation is key. We are revelation magnets. We decree a thing, and it's established unto us. And, Lord, the light shines upon our way. Thank you for the light, Lord. In every heart this morning, whether we're here or there, use your faith to be hungry. Go past feelings. I don't feel hungry. Go read the Word anyway. Well, I don't feel hungry. Go pray anyway. I don't want to go to church today. I just don't feel like going to church today. Go anyway, because you'll get hungry, and everything will become exponential after you and I get hungry, after we have a thirst for the things of God. We dominate our flesh. We dominate our past. We dominate traditions. We dominate the lie that's got into our head and say, I will live for God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Woohoo! Amen.